Good afternoon. It's Chickie Fitzgerald. This is the Executive Girlfriends Group. This is our first call of the new year. It is January 7th, 2011, and I am so excited to introduce our guest today. It's Dondi Scamacci, and she has actually written a number of books, and, and the one that we are going to be talking about today isn't actually her most current. Some of you may have heard uh, my interview with her last year on uh, our Transition Solutions group, and it is called Career Moves. Uh, and then she also has a book, uh, and Donnie, I may get this title wrong because I'm, I'm looking at it across the room, Designed for Success. Is that the right title? Perfect, yes. Great. And then, again, uh, the book we're going to talk about today, uh, just because I think it is so um, topical for the first call of the year, is a book called Ready, Set, Grow, How to Rediscover Your Passion, Overcome Your Fears, and Create the Life You've Always Wanted. So, Dondi, why don't you give us a little bit of your background, and then we'll just dive right in. All right. Thank you for having me, and Happy New New Year, everyone. I was really uh, loving the, all of the introductions, and uh, I'm in San Antonio, Texas today, and it's beautiful here, uh, sitting in a beautiful, sunny office. Um, just having been off the road for about 30 days, which is a little unusual for me. I travel full-time, so I know many of you love that, don't you? And uh, about 200 <laughs> nights a year in a hotel bed, if not oh. just a little more than that. So it's been a real pleasure to be off the road for the holidays, oh, I and uh, I, I will go out next week, and it all starts again. Mm-hmm. My background is uh, in banking. I was a banker when I had a real job, a corporate job. I was a banker. I was a director of a couple of banks. One was in the Pacific Northwest, and one was in the Midwest. And about uh, a little over, around maybe it's almost 13 years, maybe 14 years now, I made the move to become a consultant, which I, lo- I lovingly say was code for unemployed, and uh, started a, a speaking career and the speaking career sort of morphed into uh, some other kinds of opportunities and uh, one of the the most exciting uh, pieces of that has been publishing three books and so the books that I write really do center around uh, they're you know, certainly human skills but I write for women uh, women in the workplace uh, the design for success was 10 commandments for women in the workplace that really gave uh, 10 uh, 10 good solid actionable ideas for managing ourselves and being more productive and satisfied at work. And then Ready, Set, Grow was a, a little different. That was more about a life well-lived and how, how, how do I bring the whole me to it and career moves, as Chickie mentioned, is the, the third book, and that that one uh, released last year, and it is, it's a parable form. It's a form, it's a mentoring if I, if I were to pick one passion, it would be mentoring. I'm a big believer in that, and I, I, I believe we should have them be them. We should look for opportunities to do more of that. So the books that I write really are uh, designed to, to mentor women and to equip women to mentor others. So hopefully that's enough background. Is that going to work for you, Chickie? Oh, that's wonderful, Dondi. <laughs> And uh, as as people join the call, if you would just please uh, mute your phone and we'll uh, do introductions at the end. Well, one of the things that I like to do as I am doing the interview is is just to give people uh, kind of the 40,000-foot view of how the book is structured and, and what it is intended to deliver to them. So let's start uh, by just backing up at, as as to your motivation for writing Ready, Set, Grow. Uh, what what was the catalyst for for bringing that together, and who did you really write it for? 
Ready, Set, Grow is there's three there's three elements to it. It really if it, and it's, it's a great structural question because it does really talk about the process that one goes through when they read the book. Uh, the, the the first section uh, is about what do I need to pull out of my life uh, so that I uh, so that I can in the second in, uh, part uh, what do I want to put in, put into my life you know plant into my life very intentionally. And then that brings us to the third section. The third part is so that I can create something and produce something amazing with my life. Right. Part and, you know, mm-hmm. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, 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 there's a little bit of cutting in and out, and I don't know whether it's your phone or my phone or, or the recording. So I, I missed that last piece. So why oh. don't you talk about the section number three again? Oh, so, yeah. Section number three is. The, so it's, it's what do I want to pull from my life? What do I want to put into my life with intention, and so that, so that I can produce something really fabulous with my life? Uh, and so the, the the three parts kind of come together in a in, in a search for maybe that that next version of you, releasing the new version of you. Mm. And the the catalyst for the book was really it was interesting because. A publisher came to a, a large women's conference that I was speaking at, and and just after had called me to say, you know, we would we would love to see a series of books, and they asked me to propose three books, and the first one was really they they really had their hearts set on, could you deliver something that was really going to be solid, actionable things for that, that address what women face in the workplace, the, the unique things that they face. And the second book, they they asked me to, you know, now let's just talk about. You know the, the lives that we live, and and how how do we bring ourselves to it, and how do we be more intentional with the way that we're designing a life, not just a career, but a life. Right, right. All right. So um, you, you walked us through those three pieces. One of the things uh, that I absolutely love about this book because I think in in pictures. And uh, I think as I get older, I, I'm actually much less tolerant of communication via words. Um, and you use the picture of planting and a garden and fences and weeds in ways that are just so powerful. So let's just uh, dive right into the preparation piece. So clearing and taking back your ground is what you begin by talking about. And so maybe you can just walk us through some of the things as a part of that preparation phase of how do you really get started to take a look at, at what, what needs to be cleared out. And, and you know, if you do feel stuck or or you're, you're just, um, you know, you just can't see your way out of where you are, where do you start? <clears throat> Thank you. Uh Wonderful compliment. I appreciate that so much. I, I think one of the biggest things uh, that we face is sometimes we try to put, you know, build new things on top of junk, right? So there, there's some hard work that might need to be done at the very beginning to say, you know, before I start planting and, and really being intentional about what I put into my life, what needs to go? And some of the things that might need to go are are painful, like relationships. I'm sure the women on the on the call can relate to at some point in their life realizing that there is a relationship that is not helpful and 
validating and it is it is draining you. I know that that has been true for me where I really had to make a very conscious decision to say it's not about being unforgiving or bitter or angry. It's just saying this relationship does not make me better. And, 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 and there's drag on me when I'm involved with this person. So I'm going to have to create some different boundaries around myself. Another one that I that I address really early on in that in that chapter is the beliefs that that bind us, and that chapter is called root bound. You know, there and I and I really really uh, find it mm-hmm. in myself, and I meet few people that can't relate. There are things that we believe about ourselves that empower us and equip us, and those beliefs are. Those beliefs are helpful, right? But there are, and I call them in the book, empowering beliefs. And an example might be, you know, I, I do many things well. That's an empowering belief. Or, you know, my, my future is filled with possibility. That's an empowering belief. It kind of sets the stage and sets expectations. But there are also limiting beliefs. And if you really start to think about that and ask yourself the question, uh, you know, I, I, if you ask the question, I, the answer will come, right? So if you were right. to ask the question, what are the things that I believe, somehow these things settle down by experience or uh, maybe uh, they were spoken or unspoken messages that I picked up along the way, but I have... I have created a belief with those messages, for example, that are limiting me. So, for example, you know, I'm just one person in a huge company. That, that's that's not a helpful belief. That's not a belief that's going to inspire, you know, innovation and you know and, and and to make one feel powerful. And if I don't feel powerful, I'm not going to behave powerfully. So right. you know that, that that whole idea of what we believe about ourselves. There's that cycle that says what I believe about me, uh, how I how I think about myself, probably becomes how I talk about myself which then, it's fair to say, becomes what I present uh, to others, and that's what they believe about me. So there's a cycle that says we kind of market ourselves in the wrong way. So in the, early on in the book, I really encourage readers to, to find those empowering beliefs and hold on to them, but also to look for the beliefs that may be limiting or hindering. And if you listen to your self-talk, how you talk to yourself, or, or even uh, when something happens, what do you say about that? Uh, what do you think is going on? What are some of your interpretations? And you will locate, I am sure, some beliefs that are not helping you release the greatest version of yourself. Right. Right. So um, you've got one part, uh, one chapter called "Experience Can Be a Bad Teacher," and, and that one intrigues me. Yeah, we've always heard that. You know, experience is a good teacher, but I, in 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 my experience, it can be a lousy teacher. The uh, the the story that I tell is one of my son, who, you know, he uh, he comes to the to the. We came to Texas because of his baseball, and he was a big baseball player in Colorado Springs, and that was from the time he was four on up, and he he played all the way through college and was a really great athlete. But we moved to Texas because he was recruited to pitch for a school here, and when the first the 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 very first tournament that he pitched in was in Houston, and I remember I had a tour I was on, and he went off, you know, off on this Houston tournament, and when we both arrived back home, my child had really changed. Um, his countenance was fallen, and, and he he really looked like, you know, a shadow of his former self, and I said to him, what happened out there? What did you do? And he said, they rocked my world. They absolutely rocked my world. 
And he was coming from a place in Colorado where he was really kind of the big dog. You know, he was the horse. He was the the big guy, maybe in a smaller pond. But now he was playing, you know, in a much bigger league. And and I started to do that the whole man up thing. You're going to be all right. Let it, you know, shake it off. And he, he stopped me. He said, "Really, you, you need you don't understand. I had a great day. It's that they hit everything I have." And for the first time, I think he really started to believe, I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. And for about three weeks, this kid could not pitch. It was over the head and the dirt. It was embarrassing. And, and, and the coach finally said to me, you're the speaker. Say something to him. Right? Say something. And I asked him, what are you thinking about when you're, when you're setting to pitch? And he said, I'm actually saying, please, God, don't let this be Houston. And so he was just reliving that over and over and mm. over. He learned the wrong lesson, and that's really what we're talking about in this chapter. It is right. possible to learn the wrong lesson from your experience. From his his Houston tournament, he learned, I'm not good enough. The, you know, the, the right lesson would maybe have sounded like, you know what, I'm in a whole new league, and this is going to stretch me. Right? It's time to grow. It's time to step up to the next level of play. But the lesson that he learned was they'll. Dondi, uh, I'm going to ask you to actually hang up and call back in because you're, well, I can't hear you at all now, but you, you cut out and, and we can't hear you. So if you can hear me, please call back in. All right. Um, well, she must be having phone trouble. So um, why don't I do this while we're waiting for her to call back, back in? Because I, I think it is so critical as you're trying to figure out, um, you know, one of the things we do here, we're not like a uh, actually a book club, but in many ways we are. There she is. Dondi, are you there? Dondi? Okay, I'm hearing lots of show. Yeah. I'm back on. What happened? Oh, did everybody get kicked off? I don't know. I I, I can hear. Off. No, I I'm did. here. I did. I did. Okay. All right. That is very interesting. Um, Dondi, are you back? Okay. Um, that is odd. I haven't had that happen. Um, well, at any rate, what I was going to say is, that, let me let me just walk through the book a little bit uh, while we wait. Don- oh, that is you. Okay, good. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of people got kicked off. That was that was very very odd. That was um, strange. Anyway, I'm glad you called back in because I think it might have been your phone that was was clicking and crackling. So, um, anyway, well, why don't we just um, I'll, I'll edit that out of uh, the version that we um, that we post so everybody doesn't have to go through that. But we were talking, uh, you know, we were just wrapping up the experience can be a bad teacher and I think that story is just so important and I, you know, I think back on my own personal experience as an entrepreneur and and uh, you know, many of the people who are on the call and who know me well know that I, you know, I just came off of a a uh, fairly spectacular uh, entrepreneurial failure. And, you know, I mean, I, I say that because spectacular um, is actually a really good and positive and wonderful term, and it describes all the learning that I had. Failure is something that we never really want to go through, but, you know, it, it is an important part of the learning process. And, you know, I think about so many things that I could take away from that experience 
that that wouldn't have have taught me how to react properly. But I've you know been blessed with the ability to look at that and to take away instead the things that need to make me stronger, which is I think the point you were trying to make. It, it, that is such a great example. It's the the right lessons will sort of equip you for the next thing. They will raise you up. They will they will inspire you. The wrong lessons mm-hmm. will demotivate and will frighten you. Yes. Yes, so that's absolutely. a really good example. I, I love how you describe that—a spectacular failure. <laughs> I love that. Well, that—that's going to be the title of my next book. <laughs> ah, wonderful. So let's let's talk about one of these other chapters here, and and there's so many. And let let me just read the titles. That's what I was about to do as you were popping back on. So in this preparation section, which is all about clearing and taking back your ground, the titles are Rootbound, which uh, Dondi mentioned briefly, and Experience Can Be a Bad Teacher, Helpless becomes hopeless, rejecting rejection, shallow ground, break the worry habit, bouquet of thorns, toxic alliances, and embracing change. So out of those, Dondi, you you must have some favorite stories. So why don't I just ask you to pick a couple of other stories from the preparation section and share those with our oh, listeners. Sure, there's. And I really did love this. I'll give I'll give the uh, women on this call a little bit of a, of a, a background insight. The original working title of this was "May Hope Grow Wild in Your Garden." Mm. So you know, so so the, the you know the whole book was really wrapped pretty tightly around that analogy, and then they changed the title. So that was kind of interesting to kind of watch <laughs> that happen. I think you know. Uh, I think shallow ground is an interesting one. That's where we, you know, it, it, when we're planting things and we, we don't we don't have the depths of ground. And that it might look at the you know, the perfectionism gene. You know, uh, it's when we are trying to be all things to all people, and we're looking for that approval. Uh, you know, that that voice in our head that compares us to other people. Uh, I mean, that shallow ground piece really does. Um, have lots of examples in there about how. I mean, you know, a funny story is I I do have the perfectionist gene, and I don't know if the other people on the phone call can relate to that, but I like my towels to be folded beautifully. I mean, I'm talking bed, bath, and beyond, and I would even, you know, no edges showing, no tags showing, the right color in the right bathroom, and I would even spritz them with Egyptian cotton spray because I wanted them to smell beautiful like towels. And then I would, you know, travel full time, and I would come home, and my family bless them, and would be like trying to. You know, help me out and do some laundry, and they would roll the towels up and put them in the wrong bathroom. So I would immediately come home and begin fluffing them in the dryer and spraying them with the Egyptian cotton spray. And my, I, I taught my family something: don't bother because she's just going to come home and redo it. And I learned something. I learned something the hard way. Towels work great right out of the dryer. Get over it. It doesn't matter, right? It really isn't that important. So, you know, some of the things where I, I, I found myself really seeking approval or where I was beating myself from the inside out or really working really hard on the wrong things. Like, are you really throwing your strength after the things that, that, that you value? Do your rituals protect your values? That is really great, and I, I'm now. I was laughing because I'm remembering that story from the first time that we uh, we spoke. And uh, anyway, it, it uh, you you really do train the people around you, and uh, you know I realized that in in my own marriage uh, that you know I I used to just watch when my husband wouldn't 
pick up and do something and and I would just go ahead and do it myself and and those who know me in business and probably Rebecca uh, more than anyone who's worked closely with me for almost the last 10 years if you know if I hire a consultant in in to work on a project and they don't do it I don't really kind of nurture them to to fix it I just do it myself and uh-huh. and you know that doesn't ever get anybody to the next level I actually had a woman say to me one time that she with her team she would wait until they would go home at the end of the day and then fix all their mistakes. Oh, no. That was her. That was her. And pardon the the. I I need to share one little tidbit with you quickly. Pardon the background noise. That the hounds are are barking. We have we we have the tenors, the basset hounds, uh-huh. and we've always had the three tenors. But last night, um, yeah. one of the tenors was put to sleep, and so it is the very first time I've seen them up today and out. So. I would hush them, but I'm actually really grateful that they are running through the backyard barking at something. Yeah, I I knew that there was a lot of uh, animal lovers on the phone, and they do become like family members, don't they? They become part of who, talk about wrapped around your heart. But I, oh, but definitely. I, but but you're so right. Getting back to that point, if we do train people, we we teach them how to treat us. Right. So let's can can we talk about toxic alliances a little bit? You you mentioned that earlier uh, about having the right people around you, and I, I know that uh, there are a number of people on on the call live, uh, you know, who just because I know their their stories, um, you know, have been challenged with this in the past, and and I suspect those who are listening on demand, uh, you know, have have some of those same stories. And I, I was actually just sharing with someone yesterday, um, you know, how. I've had people in my life before that, you know, if I would get something new, they they would say, oh, you know, I'm so glad you got that because the old one just, you know, really was awful. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you could have, you know, maybe missed saying that and it, and it, it would have been okay. And, you know, and I realized the, the toxicity that, that that would bring into my life. And so when I had the choice, you know, not mm-hmm. to continue that relationship, I didn't really – I was fortunate enough not to have to cut it off. Uh, to kind of overtly. let it go. And sometimes yeah, those relationships so, do kind of just go away on their own. Uh, I, I address that in the book as well. It's, you know, sometimes they just naturally kind of go away. They're not helpful. They don't make you better. They don't Im- improve the quality of your life or challenge you to reach for more. Uh, and sometimes you have to make a hard stop. Sometimes you have to actually intervene and, and have your own intervention, you know, and say that this this just isn't working for me anymore. And I've had to do that a, a couple of times in my life, and it was really painful. And you know what? I There's part of me that really misses some of those people because there were pieces of them that I loved and I cared about, and there was long-term history. And in one case, mm-hmm. it was a family member. I mean, it was, it was a member of my right. family that I just finally had to say, this is no longer a relationship that I can support. It's It's a relationship that drains me. And it and it drains me over and over and over again. So we're either going to have to change the way we interact with each other, or we're going to have to not interact with each other. Right. And that's hard. It sounds really easy in a clinical setting, right? It sounds very you know, simple to do, uh, but it's not always easy. I was speaking with a, a young woman uh, at a conference, and, and hers, uh, 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 her toxic relationship actually was her mother. And it has just been a heartbreaking experience for her to set those boundaries and, and to really enforce them. Because sometimes what happens is, I think this is very funny, sometimes we'll set boundaries. Like we might have these ground rules in our life. Like uh, one of my ground rules is if, if you're not in the room, I'm not I'm not 
I'm not discussing you unless it's complimentary, right? So I'm loyal to the person who's not in the room. So you know, you you, you have these rules, and then you end up and kind of place those fences or boundaries around around your life, and then and then you are working with the office the office gossip. I don't know if any of you have ever had that person, but they love mm. to share the tidbit and they like they like all that drama, and you kind of have created or the whiner. That's probably a better example. The one who wants to whine and complain all the time. So you say, you know what, I'm going to have very positive conversations and my communications are going to be affirming and positive and solutions oriented and action oriented and then you walk into your office and you see you know this this downer person you know with you know her her fallen face and you say are you okay and over the fence she goes right you just open the door so sometimes we create wonderful boundaries <laughs> but then we actually sort of give people a, a lift over them right the book, you know, talks about how do you, and it gives some really good examples, some stories about how how do real people, uh, what does that look like in the real world when someone sets those boundaries or creates those rules or holds people accountable for them. Not always mm-hmm. easy, but really important because you're so right, Jenny. We do teach people how to treat us. <laughs> right. So so let's um, move on to to planting. So you've you've cleaned out the rocks you've you've gotten the ground uh, to where it's it's ready to plant and so this next section is called sowing seeds of hope and and expectancy and again i'm going to i'm going to walk through the chapters just so that everyone can understand what you cover and then i'll do the same thing of just asking you to pick out some of your favorite stories from here so the first uh, chapter in this section is bold blessings the second, grand designs. The third, making it real. Find your balance and protect your plan. Broken fences and open gates. Framing life events. Grace and gratitude nourish hope. You know, the one of my favorite stories in, in this section, really, it, it, it's, in, it's in the introduction of it. It was the the idea of that when you when you those things into your life, they are going to grow, but sometimes they don't stay where you put them. So the the example was that you know, uh, for, for me, uh, or the the, the the grand design that we have might not be, you know, it might not start that way. Is probably a better way of saying it. So we lived in Colorado, and I saw a magazine. I saw this beautiful, and I mean, it was gorgeous, breathtaking garden in this gardening magazine, and I love gardening. So I or it was, and you ordered it. You just ordered this garden, right? And it would come to you, and so I ordered the garden. And I honestly had pictures of a semi truck pulling up to my to my home to deliver <laughs> this amazing garden, and you cannot imagine my disappointment when it came like in a shoebox, and it was twigs and shoots and roots, and I was devastated. And I called my mother in, in Oregon, and I said, "This is this is a scheme. This is a scam. You know, this is not the garden that I ordered." And, and I remember her advice was so lovely. She said, "Darling, garden, gardens have to grow." Right, but they start you know, they start somewhere. So sometimes we have that, you know, that big picture of what we want, but that we we can't despise the small beginnings, right? The the little the, the little sticks and shoots and roots mm. that kind of create that. Uh, you know, th- this was a, a a great chapter, a great section to be writing on because you kind of make the turn and think about how are you going to you know uh, be very intentional about what you put into your life and the the expectations, for example, is. I mean, it's certainly an important one. What are we expecting? You know, what are we, what are we uh, planting into our life in terms of our expectations? And I, I think we can actually lock 
people into expectations that aren't healthy. Uh, for example, uh, m- my son in high school was always late. He would be on Friday and Saturday night, he would be 20 minutes or 30 minutes late. And I don't know about the recipe on the phone, but when I say midnight, I pretty much mean midnight, right? And I'd be the mom at the door, right? I, I, you come on in. But he'd be, you know, 20 minutes late, 30 minutes late, and we would have this big debate every time. I would tell him, you're always late. You do this every time. And we would have this big discussion in, in our in our in the front entry way of our home. And I started to think about how, how I was reinforcing a behavior that really wasn't uh, exceptional or acceptable. And so I decided to use some of my tools and to begin to plant the seeds of expectancy in him about the behavior I wanted. So the next time, and I was hoping he wouldn't disappoint me, you know, like like I was hoping he would be late the next time so I could actually use my tools, and he did not disappoint <laughs> me. Right away, we had a chance to try that. And he, he comes in, he was 15 minutes late, and I looked at him and I said, you know, this just isn't like you at all. And I still can see the look on his face. And he said, what do you mean this isn't like me? This is, I said, well, you're, you, you are respectful. You are, you are kind-hearted. You would never worry me. You would never put, put me through stress. You just wouldn't do that. You're a responsible guy and very respectful. This just isn't like you. And he said, what are you talking about? This is what we do. This is what we do every Friday night, every Saturday night. And I looked at him and I said, no, this is not what we do. And this is not who you are. Good night. And I went to bed. And I wish I you know, only had to do that once. But I just kept repeating that. I just kept repeating it. You are responsible. You are respectful. You would never worry me. You would never uh. cause me stress. And do you know that he's 27 now, but do you know that one of his strongest values is being on time to everything? For Tabor, being late is the worst case scenario. And he would describe to you, he'd say to you, it's not even about the clock, it's about respect, and it's about responsibility. Mm. And I just think now that, you know, and probably had more opportunities, but what are you sowing, you know, not just what are you sowing into your own life, but, you know, maybe what you're sowing to, into other lives as well. You know, this, this this section really, you know, gives you an opportunity to think about a bigger dream. Because I when I work with women, you know, in in all different industries and in backgrounds and regions, one of the things I find is that we're really good at taking care of what comes at us, but sometimes we get so great at that, at reacting to life as it's thrown at us, and we catch it and we and we do amazing things with it. But how long has it been since we stepped back to say, "Here's the the, the life I want to design"? And so the book really does take people through a process of looking at what is, you know, what is the bigger dream for you. Um, journaling exercises are included and that kind of thing uh, to, to get you to a place of setting some really inspiring goals. Mm. Wow. That, you know, that really that. is about you know, dreaming a bigger dream and, 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 and even, for example, testing your goals and you know, stepping back and, and thinking about why do I want this? Because sometimes we might find out. I remember my husband took me to uh, a wellness seminar uh, when I was writing this book. And it was a Saturday morning and he made me go and I hadn't had my coffee yet. And it was like 7 a.m. That was just so ridiculous to me, 7 a.m. on a Saturday. And I'm not really a morning person like that, but here we are. And the guy that was doing the seminar, 
seminar was kind of one of those TV star looking people. Like his head was bald and he was really flashy and he was really, you know, dynamic. And it was too early for dynamic in the morning for me. <laughs> and, and and I was, you know, he passed out these index cards and he said, I want you to write down your why. Why do you want to be more healthy? Why do you, you know, why is this important to you? And I literally, I was being a little sarcastic at first, but basically I wrote that, I, you know, why am I here? Because my husband made me. Because he dragged me here, okay? And then I started to get into it a little bit because people started sharing their why. And and and, and then he did something that was, I'll, I'll never forget it. You talk about the words, uh, you know, uh, aren't as powerful as the picture. He flips on, uh, the slide, and here is a picture, like, you know, huge on the on the, on the the big screen of this baby. And this baby is gorgeous. Maybe six months old, I think he said. He said, here's my why. I'm 60, he said. I'm 60. And that baby is six months old. And mm. I want to dance at her wedding. That's my why. That's why I'm going to protect my health. And that really resonated with me, and I started thinking about my whys. And I found out sometimes when I would test my goals, they really weren't my goals. They weren't mine. And if it's if you don't have a strong why, mm. I, th- I think you I think you can know what to do. I think you can know how to do it. But if you ever lose your why, it'll become duty. It'll become an obligation. It'll become drudgery. So it's really holding that why, finding it and holding on to it, so that you don't you don't break down at the first obstacle and you don't give up at the first sign of resistance. Mm. That you really do have a passion for it. Wow. Wow. You know, I I just want to comment on that, Dondi, because, you know, uh, while the book is is really helping people work through their own issues of being able to grow, I was just thinking about kind of the business side of that. Because, you know, here next week I'm walking into uh, one of my current clients and uh, and presenting a, a proposed strategy to them. And, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, all the reasons why people are in that room. And and some of them, it is drudgery. And some of it, it's, you know, I'm here because my boss told me I had to be, but this strategy wasn't my idea. And 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 all of that. And, and helping them to, you know, to really own that in a different way. And, and I think in business, we face that uh, just as much as we do in our private lives. I think that's a great example of it. It's a great application of it. So I'm going to tell the story about the baby on Monday with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get a picture of a baby. (laughs) Flip it right up there. But it really really did resonate with me, and I thought, you know, there are a lot of things. When I really stopped to think about there were a lot of goals that I had set for myself. I'm a very goal-oriented person, but when I really asked myself the why, there wasn't a compelling why. And I had to give myself permission to say uh, one of two things. I'm either going to find the passion for this and really find the why, or I'm going to admit to myself this may sound like a really wonderful thing, but I don't want to do it. And it's not my goal. And, you know, like running a marathon. Okay, that sounds lovely, but maybe what's the why? Now, I actually am training to do my first marathon, and my why is that it's something I'm doing with my son. It's a, you know, it's a way for us to bond and really um, right. do, do something together. It's a family thing. But, you know, but, but until you find your why, you're not going to be on board with it. So I think, that's, I think that can be delivered at, a, at, a, at an organizational level. Do we really get our why? And have mm-hmm. we really wrapped our hearts and heads around the why? Hmm? Right, right. Absolutely. So let's move in into part three, which is all about producing and releasing the potential within. And uh, just to walk through these chapter names, reach beyond your comfort zone, 
Training the Vine, Learn from the Master Gardener, Grow Through Adversity, Pulling Complacency, and Keeping All of Your Appointments with Hope. Oh, I love that one. That one was probably my favorite story of all, and and I, I you and I have probably talked about this, and from reading the book, you might remember the story about Antonio, and Antonio is the uh, gentleman who uh, who is my gardener, and he is lovely. He's been our gardener for many, many years, and he and he works with his sons, and he's lovely. And when I was writing this book, Hope, Hope Grows Wild in My Garden, as, as the working title was, Antonio was diagnosed with very um, a, a, a serious uh, lung cancer. I mean, it was a really, really bad thing. I mean, uh, the prognosis was not good, and he had to have surgery. Um, the sur- surgery was very intrusive, as you can imagine. And one morning when I w- was writing this book, and this book actually made me confront myself on a lot of levels. So this this book was a little bit of a labor of love, but it was also emotionally exhausting. And I I, I was behind on some of the deadlines, and I was working. It was early in the morning, and, and I, I n- needed to be working. And it was like I just I couldn't because Antonio was in the hospital. And I, it was like I just knew sometimes you're not writing about hope. Sometimes hope has to have legs. And, I, you know, I closed the laptop, and I went to the hospital, and I had had a friend of mine uh, prepare a blessing in Spanish because Antonio is, uh, he speaks very little English, and I speak very little Spanish. And so, you know, the extent of our conversation sometimes have been, you know, he, he, he trying to explain to me that the hounds are stomping in the flowers, right? You know, he's thinking about the gordo, you know, puero gordo, the dog stomping the flowers, and we, we work it out. We would always work it out, and and really has become such a almost a member of our family. And I got to the hospital, and I was trying to. It was very emotional because he looked so small and sick in that bed, and I remember trying to read this blessing to him. And he, he, he woke up just then, and he was listening to me stumble through this Spanish, and I'll never forget it. He, he reached up then, and he put his hand on my head, and he repeated the, the blessing back to me perfectly. And it just struck mm-hmm. me that, you know, the... When we will reach out and offer that hope, when we will be the bearer of hope and keep those appointments with hope, that that will always return to us. That blessing will always come back to us, you know. And and when I finished the uh, the book, the the it was it was dawn, you know. I finished it. I wrote all night and I finished the book. And I remember the sun was coming up. And it rained for the first time in months. Uh, we had been in a drought, and it started to rain in, in the early morning sunlight. And all of the flowers that he had planted were just looking so beautiful. And I remember thinking, what a beautiful way to wrap up this book. You know, the sun is rising, and the rain is here, and hope really is growing wild in my garden. Mm. Wow. Well, Dondi, I'd like to open it up if if anybody has any comments or questions. Um, you know, I I highly recommend that you guys uh, read this book because as as I went through it, and, and you also know I'm I'm a sucker for uh, books that are just laid out in a really practical way. And one of the things Dondi does at the end of each chapter is she gives you a journaling exercise. So if you do order the book, and and it's available on the Executive Girlfriends Group uh, book club uh, site, um, make sure you order yourself a, a spiral-bound journal to to uh, to just take this and make it really, really personal to you. So if you have put yourself on mute, um, make sure you unmute yourself. And uh, would anybody like to be the first at, at a comment or a question? 
Yes, hello. I would. This is Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Um, I've been. In, I've written down my goals for the year, and um, I feel like I've I've prayed over them, and and um, really seen, kind of had some like visions, you know, just of kind of daydreaming of things really much bigger than I would have, you know, personally come up with, but they they're right in line with everything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so my question is, um, you know, what do you do when you feel like you have a, a, vi- a goal and a vision and a dream that's even bigger than what you thought you would have? Or, or, or you might doubt yourself and say, well, that could never happen. You know? <gasps> oh, you just, you just brought up something so important. I'm so glad that you asked that, Amanda, because, you know, that's one of those limiting beliefs. See, we do that. We 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 can only receive what we think we deserve. So sometimes, uh, I mean, I'll I'll be I'll 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 be really blunt. Sometimes I think I go to the well of God with a teacup. I'm gonna start going there with a bucket. Right? <laughs> you can only receive what you think you deserve. So you, if you have a if you have a, a big dream, it's not like a god sized dream there. Then I I would say, wow, how do I grow into that dream? I don't want to I don't want to shrink the dream to, to fit me. I want to grow me to match the dream. Mm. And like and what that. do we do? How do we go about that? I think really you've done a lot of the work, and it's just to really begin begin to accept and say, well, that's that could never happen. That's beyond you know that's beyond comprehension. I can't ever believe that. What if you were to flip those around? Why not me? Why couldn't it happen? How could I make it happen? And start to let the let the dream get big, even to the point of what you might say, this is ridiculously big. And then start to think about how do I, maybe how do I back into that? How do I, you know, what are some stages or some milestones along the way? You know, it won't be a journey overnight. Maybe it will, it will I'll, I'll, I'll work to get to this place, but what are some of the stages, the natural milestones or mile markers? And how would, and, and, and if I were to kind of create those stages or mile markers, how do I start taking the first steps toward them? But I think it's really wonderful when I hear someone say, all of a sudden my dream got bigger than I thought it could ever be. I think that's fabulous. But right on the heels of that, for many people, and I know that I have done the same thing myself, it is, oh, there, there's just no way. Uh, there's no way I could ever do that. And I, I think that we sort of, we sort of, we're, we're getting ready to, to gallop, and all of a sudden we pull back on the reins. So drop your reins. And and allow yourself to, and I would also do this, I would also surround myself by people that, you know, and and it doesn't need to be a crowd, I mean, mean, it could be a a good friend or a couple of good friends, like an advisory board of a couple of people that you could share that with and ask them, help me to, help me to bring this into focus. I mean, it's a really big thing, but I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, create more focus or more structure or at least start getting an idea of how do I start moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that those people think big, too, because I you don't want your dream. that's really great. Yeah, that's such great advice, Sandy, because, you know, and, and it's one of the things that the Executive Girlfriends Group kind of does for each other is the folks who have been deeply involved over the course of the last year, you know, with with me, have, have stepped up and and you know gotten involved kind of offline in in being my champions and Amanda you know i mean you know i'm i'm wanting to help you do what you want to do and the amazing thing is that in my own life 
with this spectacular failure I talked about, you know, that I just went through over the course of the last three or four years, that right now it actually is being built into this new, bigger thing that I never, ever could have imagined. So I'm living that. I'm living kind of the fruition of that and, and just seeing bits and pieces of it. But I would love to, to be one of your champions in that. So um, one of the things, and I forget who it was who was our guest uh, last year, talked about having a board of directors of your life. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, we, th- we think about it in company terms, but you need to make sure that you've got that board of directors, that group of champions. And, and we aren't always blessed enough to have that in Maybe our best friends don't have business experience, or maybe our husband, uh, you know, just isn't at a place where they can be the champion. They've seen, you know, they've already seen the spectacular failure movie, and you know, just doing it one more time, and and you know, what what other chapter of bankruptcy can we face, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, I I think that is just such right on advice. And I, what I love about that too, and is that it really is one of the most important aspects or elements or purposes or the big why behind um, this wonderful group that you that you have, because it, when you get that kind of synergy and calibration going on, uh, what will what will sometimes happen is that you know I'll come to the group with my dream, and they'll the, and they'll say, "Well, that's not big enough. You could you could you could be bigger. They could scope it out for you. So it can work both ways. You can they can help you step into a great big dream, um, or they can they can enlarge your idea of what what could be true for you. I think really one of the most important things that you said, Amanda. I, I, I hope that you'll really grab onto this is that you do deserve to have a bigger dream. You can make that happen. And some of those things that you're telling yourself, it's like you're hit, you're tapping the brake, and so you're, you, you know, or maybe you're pulling up on the emergency brake, so it's, and you're flying down the freeway going 75 miles an hour with the the emergency brake fully engaged. You're going to get somewhere, but you're tearing up the car. Um, you know, I, I, I really remove, you know, take your foot off the brake and just say, you know what, I'm going to go for this. And I'm going to look for the people, and and I'm a big believer that once you start asking the question, like and if you ask the question, the answers will come. It's and it really isn't magic. You'll you'll notice things that you didn't notice before, and you'll you will meet people that will just appear out of nowhere, and you'll think this is so amazing and almost spooky. But really, what's happening is is that once you you give your brain that question instead of it couldn't work, how could it work? How big could this be? Your brain just starts going into in, into that mode of processing and even when you're not actively thinking about it your brain is still working that problem your brain has an equation to solve and it's just going to keep working on that mm-hmm. so you will notice an article uh, it, it, or or meet a person or information will come to you uh, an idea will spark you know and you will think oh it's magic everything's just lining up well you know what here's the thing that article may have been there anyway you just wouldn't have been looking for it because your brain wasn't working on that equation. So ask the big question. Don't be afraid to ask the big question, how could it work? How could I step into this? And if you catch yourself ever saying, mm, I don't deserve that or you know, I'm, I'm not good enough to do that, but that, that's a lie. So you need to flip that over. Absolutely, why not me? Why not me? Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And you're you're 
it's very interesting what you said because I've been noticing that magic everywhere, you know. So thank you so much. <laughs> it sounds to me like it sounds to me like you're you you are uh, you are well along your way. And I can't. I would love to hear how that how how that goes and how you you progress. That's very exciting. Congratulations. Well, thank you. All right. Do we have any other questions or comments? Donnie, hi. This is Carolyn, and um, I'm curious whether you've you've had any experience where uh, you've met somebody who you know seems really committed and very enthusiastic about undertaking a, a shift and and uh, looking for new opportunities and reshaping the second part of their life. And despite all the enthusiasm, commitment, you you don't see much movement. If you've seen that, could could you comment on maybe what some of the big obstacles are, maybe some of the in business we call them the prerequisites to success might be. Oh, so so is this a a business partner? Is that what you mean, or in just in life in general, where you will see someone be very committed with the idea part, but not good at the execution? Yeah, yeah Carolyn. Well with the, with the, Carolyn, the since you since you didn't introduce yourself, you joined after the fact. You might want to just give Dondi, you know, kind of the thumbnail of, of your situation. It'll help her, I think, answer you. Sure. Um, I'm uh, hi, Dondi. I live in uh, South Lake, California, and um, you know, what you're t- talking about really resonates with me. In fact, it's a little bit of serendipity. I was um, uh, as, as at the gym with a yoga class, and I looked outside, and I saw that you know the trees that had been pruned had new blooms on them. You know, the, the, we've been having a lot of water the last couple of weeks, and so it's it's really taken off growth, and that's where the flowers will be. And I thought, yeah, I'm feeling kind of pruned. You know, some of that was a little bit painful, but, you know, good things will come from it. And um, and I guess from my own experience, there have been times where I felt very energized to make a shift and, and really, you know, felt pretty committed to it. And, you know, a year and a half down the road, some, uh, it hasn't all, you know, some of that commitment's waned. And if you've seen that in other people, I'd be curious to to, to know whether you've seen some common factors. That, oh, yeah, that, I think I think all of us can, we can wear out, we can get distracted, we can, you know, we can be very excited about an idea, but I, I really do think it kind of comes back to the why. If I lose sight of my why, then um then it will it will start to become duty it will start to become sort of um you know obligatory rather than having this, this passion i think it kind of, what what you what you remind me of is something that I, that it, it is very common it is compliance versus commitment um you know i don't think that compliance will ever take us where commitment can go so if i'm complying to a plan if i i'll, I'll use something simple a, a diet if i'm starving myself on a diet if i'm forcing myself you know to to do the workout you know it's pure discipline that drags me to it it's not it's not the vision of how i'm going to look how i'm going to feel you know, uh, you know how my clothes will feel on me. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I've turned it into discipline or compliance, and whenever that happens, some of the lifeblood will sort of drain out of it. I also think that it's natural to have to kind of refresh the vision, to go back and make sure: do we need to, to make any adjustments here? Is is there a reason we're kind of falling off? Are, are we discouraged? Are we not seeing progress? Are are we not? Are we not recognizing progress? Because, you know, getting back to your pruning story, there's a wonderful, it's a children's story, and I absolutely love it. Uh, I think it's a, it's not just for children. It just makes a marvelous gift for somebody, anyone who's going through a tough thing. And it's called The Tree That Survived Winter. 
And it really is a, a tree that goes through a bitter cold winter and feels lonely and lost. And then the spring comes, and as she looks at herself, she says, oh, my goodness, I've, I not only survived the winter, but I've grown. So sometimes when we're not making the progress that we had hoped to or sensing that progress, it's because uh, it, it, it's not that we're not getting anywhere. We might be running the best race of our life against the wind, right? So maybe it's to re-inspire the commitment. Maybe it's to go back and remember the why. Maybe adjust the plans. Maybe mark the progress. Celebrate the victories. You know, it, it's 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 sort of reigniting the heart. But I think it's very normal. I think it's very natural and human to be very excited when something starts, but when you're really putting your shoulder to the wheel uh, day after day after day in that grind, you may have to sort of re-up the vision and 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 you know give yourself give yourself a, a little bit of a, celebra- a celebration in terms of how far have I come? Because sometimes I think we just cross things off the list and move on to the next thing. I mean, do you think we do that? It's like we check it off and move on to the next project. We finish this mm-hmm. big thing and we we don't really stop to think about and to reflect on what am I learning, how is it going, how am I feeling, what do I need, how am, am I enjoying my life, is this turning out the way that I thought it would, but really kind of stepping back to look at it. And I also think that it com- sometimes it comes down to style. Some people are really good at the you know the the big the dreaming part of it and the picture part of it and and they're not as good at the putting it into an action plan right that's not their strong suit or other people are really good at checking things off but they're not as good maybe at seeing the big picture or crafting that big picture so it it comes back to what you know we were talking about earlier it's, you know surround yourself by people that will help you you know, maybe fill some of the gaps that, uh, for example, I tend to be a very big, big picture person. I'm not, I'm not really very detail oriented. I've got to have people around me that help me to pick up on those details and not lose sight of those, or those could become loose ends for me. So I think some of it might even be working style. That, that's helpful. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Well, this has been just so great. Uh, again, I don't want to cut anybody else off if if you have any comments or questions for Dondi. So, speaker Dondi, for forever hold your peace. Dondi, this is Michelle Decker, and, and I just want to share with you and the group that this is, has been very, very insightful for me. Um, my husband had been very ill with cancer um, uh, a few years ago, and, you know, for so long, I just made the decisions that had to be made to get him the care he needed and to see it through. You know, what was the right thing for our family without regard for, you know, am I happy doing what I'm doing or, you know, kind of laying the groundwork for what it could become. It, you, you just had to go where you had to go. And You and did. You, you just put your shoulder to the wheel. And, you know, and right. congratulations, by the way. Well, Congratulations on having the strength to do that. Well, thank you. But now, you know, now that I'm, I'm thinking about it, it's like, you know, maybe, maybe now I, I can go back and, and take some time and think about those things and, and you know, how do I move forward with it? You absolutely do get to do that. Yep. You I, absolutely do. Very insightful. Very insightful. I'm thank so you. happy to hear that. I think I spent a lot of my life. 
um, not exploring my options, and that's you know that's one of the things that you know we we talk about in in the book as well is you know you have more options, you are not stuck, and you do have more options than you than you realize. And so sometimes as you start to articulate those feelings and, you know, here's where I think I was really good at just handling whatever came to my way. And, boy, I just make it happen. You throw it to me, I'm going to catch it, I'll make it happen. But I, I think it was uh, – I, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a design. I was just being very, you know, uber responsible in my life and I, you know, and really taking – Taking care of things, and I'm proud of being able to do that. But I, but I, I'm so glad to hear you say that it might be time for you to step back and think about. Now, wait a second. There are other options available to me. There is a, a big dream. I, I, you know, I, I, I can do that. All right. Anybody else? Okay, well, Dondi, thank you so, so much. Oh, I'm going to stop the recording because uh, we do need uh, to, to catch up a bit am- amongst the group. You're welcome to stay. You're free to go. But it has just been such a pleasure to have you as our first guest of 2011. And like I said, I, I am confident that we will actually finally meet face-to-face in 2011. We're, we're going to make that happen. I am so looking forward to that. I am going to hop off. I have another uh, engagement after this, but Thank you so much. What an honor. It was nice to meet all of you. Best of luck in 2011. Okay. Thank you so much, Dondi. Thank you.